1: Happy New Year to our listeners around the world and welcome to another edition of the Pro Wrestling Index, only on the Anfield Index Podcast Network. I am your host, Matt Topolski, and I am honored to welcome back my co-commentating colleague and obviously wish Happy New Year to as well, Mo Chatra. Mo, welcome back to the Pro Wrestling Index. How you doing, my friend?
2: Thank you very much, Matt. Uh, happy New Year to you as well. I'm doing fantastic. Um, had a... Great, um, entered 2015, had a nice restful time over the festive period, um, caught up on some wrestling from around the world, and um, greatly, greatly looking forward to uh, 2016 and what lies ahead. It should be a great one. Absolutely, and some breaking
1: news, some big news, actually, that we're going to be sharing with all the listeners tonight, um, some of which they may know about already, uh, which we'll get into over the course of the next hour. Uh, before we do that though mo you know it's 2016 it's the new year do you have any resolutions for 2016 any 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 anything new gonna happen in your life any any
2: goals or aspirations um I guess my my main aspiration is to continue keeping my waistline um, at a lower number than my age um, <laughs> so um, have you not trained at the gym for Coming up to two months. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're almost at an even kill, which is not a good thing. Uh, so um, I, I certainly have to get back in the gym and, and put that right. Um, But, yeah, needless to say, I'm not looking quite as um, in shape at the moment as I do in my Twitter pic. Um, But I'll I'll put that right soon enough. How about yourself, Matt? Uh, You know what, man? Um,
1: That's actually a pretty good resolution to keep your waistline lower than your age. I've never heard that before, but I might have to try and do it uh, for the new year. You know, we've got a um, uh, reality of wrestling breaking ground on a – well, we have broke ground. We're about to open a – Brand new facility on January the 30th. Uh, big night for reality of wrestling. It will be our debut at our 22,000 square foot uh, television studio and arena. And I'll, I can also share with the listeners here tonight that one of our first special guests for that night will be none other than ECW and WWE legend Rob Van Dam is going to be in the house. Wow. There. So I'm um, very excited to have Rob Van Dam. Help us christen the new building. So, um, you know, I would say for 2016, man, it's just, you know, to get in shape, be the best that I can be uh, with this great opportunity that I have ahead of me with Reality of Wrestling and Booker T. And um, in addition to that, uh, just continue to to crank out good quality content and um, be a better podcaster and broadcaster. So um, that's uh, that's really what it's all about. Just... Making your passion become a, uh, a full-time career—that's what I'm uh, looking to do. So
2: awesome! Yeah, look for that.
1: So, um, well, listen—we've uh, got a big show planned this weekend. So let's get it started with what we saw on Monday Night Raw, because we're just a few weeks away from the Royal Rumble and uh, the January 4th edition of Monday Night Raw. The ratings are in. The show overall, as an average, did 3.57 million viewers. in the first hour, 3.5 in the second, and 3.5 in the third. And, of course, they had that big main event, which featured Roman Reigns versus Sheamus for the WWE Championship with the 70-year-old Vince McMahon as special guest referee. And we'll break down this show and build up to that main event. But I just got to say very quickly, Mo, that if I look like Vince McMahon when I'm 70, I'm going to be
2: very happy. (laughs) <laughs> well even if i'm 50 years of age and looking half as good as that then i'll be absolutely delighted yeah i mean the guy's a freak isn't he? he's um clearly somebody who continues to work hard in the gym i mean we saw how impressive his physique was in the attitude era when he occasionally wrestled and uh showed off his guns and um uh, well it's was- the physique has uh, slightly subsided in terms of size, um, in terms of vascularity and uh, definition. It's all still there, and which is remarkable for somebody of that age. And uh, wow, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, even if you know 2025 year olds walking down the street looking like that um you know they'd be uh, getting plenty of attention so uh yeah you know if you're 70 that's incredible that's the big question that i had for vince mcmahon i actually tweeted
1: it at him on monday night he didn't respond unfortunately but my questions were number one vince what are you taking is he on ipo <laughs> pro again and secondly where does he get his neckties because i think they're the best neckties on the planet they're very unique um, they're very special, as Donald Trump would say, but um <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean he's got to be on the ico pro because uh for a man who's seventy years old, he looks like he could uh he could kick the hell out of myself, so um but uh we're gonna yeah. build to that match we're gonna build to it we'll get there let's uh let's start off with how Monday Night Raw began uh we saw Ste- Stephanie McMahon and Roman reigns make their their way to the ring for the the standard raw opening promo um they talked a lot about vince McMahon about the the heavyweight title and the main event uh, that worked into uh, Kevin Owens and Neville in a singles match with Dean Ambrose on commentary. I thought that they did a very good job of building even more heat for Kevin Owens uh, and what he did to Neville. Uh, what what do you think of this presentation uh, from Kevin Owens and uh, the build between him and uh, Dean Ambrose?
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, certainly moving in the right direction. Um, and I'm glad because... I have been disappointed with the way that Kevin Owens has been booked, Um, having entered the WWE in such a strong way with um, victory over John Cena and making such a splash, making making such an impact. um, He really was something special in his first six months in the company, Um, but come um, November, December time, um, that push certainly seemed to subside and he was just... Fading into the pack is just another guy, so it's good to see them starting to uh, get back behind him and do something with him. So I was was glad that, um, you know, they were moving that storyline along with he and Dean, and um, you know, that looks to be heading. And towards something at the Royal Rumble And, um, you know, if that match does take place at the Rumble Then it will certainly be one of the best matches of the night I'm sure of that Um, So, yeah, I was glad that, you know, Kevin Owens Seemed to have a bit more purpose um, Being uh, back into winning ways on Raw And um, certainly progressing that storyline with... um, the champion dean ambrose so so that, that was positive from my perspective
1: yeah and i read earlier this week uh, dean ambrose had done an interview uh read some of the transcripts of the interview where um he talked about being a utility player uh being the guy that um you know whenever they need somebody to fill a gap or plug a hole dean ambrose can be that guy and he said he's happy to do it uh he you know he talked about his time that he spent with rowdy piper uh the parallels between their two careers uh, especially early on, and um, he said, you know, he's happy that he's carved out the the niche that he has for himself in WWE, and I, and I think this is a good place for him to be right now. I mean, in this program with Kevin Owens, I think it helps elevate both of them, and I think the Intercontinental title uh, does a good thing for Dean Ambrose. I think Dean Ambrose is a good thing for the Intercontinental Championship, and, and you know what? I mean, uh, with already many of the comparisons of Dean Ambrose to Rowdy Piper, that's a, that's a pretty strong comparison.
2: That's pretty good uh, company to be held in. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, Roddy was a one-off. He was a unique character, to say the least. And uh, the way he presented himself and the way he cut his promos uh, was like anybody in the wrestling business. And um, Dean Ambrose is somebody who clearly... He's heavily influenced by uh, Hot Rod And um, certainly looks to If not um, copy And certainly um, be inspired By some of the mannerisms And the way that he carries himself And the way he cuts his promos Likes to come across a bit of loose cannon Which Roddy Piper was obviously renowned for um, So so that, that's good We we need people like that In in the WWE run People who come out there um, With that cookie cutter um kind of approach to their characters uh where everything is very predictable very samey samey from one person to the next so you know in that regard he does stand out and and that's good to see yeah absolutely uh, another one of the highlights for the evening was uh becky lynch uh
1: and charlotte setting up their divas title match uh which i believe is going to take place i'm sure they'll they're having a match i think on smackdown but obviously i think this is going to continue to lead to uh, the program and the uh The payoff coming at the Royal Rumble between these two. Uh, I like Becky Lynch's work. I think she's getting better, uh, which which she's already good to begin with. Um, But here's my thing regarding Charlotte. I want to get your thoughts on this. I mean, have you seen enough Ric Flair? Because I, I don't think that I need to be constantly reminded that Charlotte is Ric Flair's daughter by having Ric Flair... At ringside, unless they're building to eventually Charlotte turning on her own father, which would give her even more heel heat. Um, But I'm just uh, not—I'm not really buying into um, to the Charlotte uh, character with Ric Flair at her side. What what say you about that?
2: Um, I slightly disagree. I think that having Flair there does help her with her slightly different character. Um, she's clearly been moving in a more heel direction over the last four or five weeks. And I think that flair does help with that. Um, what it does do, though, is it does make the pair come across more like cool heels rather than Charlotte is an out-and-out heel. And I think she perhaps could be better in that respect. But I think there's two perhaps reasons why Rick Flair is out there. Um, the first is that they perhaps don't have enough faith in Charlotte to um, carry herself off um, on her own in that kind of heel role, and she perhaps needs some support and guidance from her father. And I think the second thing is they just like to hang out with Ric Flair on a Monday night. So uh, any excuse to have slick Rick in town um, along with the Raw crew, um, they'll take it. So... You know, if no it means, race. yeah, oh, God, yeah. Um, I'm sure that, you know, he was out in uh, San Antonio um, well into the early hours of Tuesday morning, um, entertaining everyone in the nearest uh, bar as only Rick can. And, um, you know, everyone loves him for that. Yeah. So, <laughs> more power to him. Yeah, I mean, he's not paying the tab, so. No. no, no, I mean, <laughs> and just as well, because, I mean, he, he's one of these people that even if he earned two million a year, he'll spend two and a half million in the year. Yeah. Um, and that's before he had to pay his tax bill. Um, so, yeah, that, that's Rick for you. He'll never change. Um, but uh, I'd like to think that after four divorces and all the money problems he's had, he's at 67 years of age, nearly, um, finally wise up in a bit more financially sensible. Uh, but. You never know. Yeah, well, um, perhaps he's just a
1: late bloomer with his checkbook. Um, What are your overall thoughts on the Divas division? You know, it's been some time since we've seen Nikki Bella now, um, this uh, passing of the torch, if you will, at least for the time being between her and and Charlotte. Um, And now Charlotte, you know, she's having a a nice little run here as WWE Divas champion. Do you think that the the Divas division has still had the same... um, uh, the same excitement surrounding it since the departure of Nikki Bella. I mean, what 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 are your thoughts on all this? Did, did, were you happy with it
2: prior to it? Is it better now, worse? What do you think? Well, I think I've changed my mind on uh, Nikki and the Divas Revolution. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, believe it or not. Look at that. Um, Paige Brad Gilmore on that one. Um, yeah, it was it was um, something that I was pinning a lot of blame on her for directly, In terms of the Lackluster response to the Divas Revolution Saying that well It's because Nikki's the champ Because she's the focal point It's all her fault She's now been out of the picture For a good couple of months And the reaction to the Divas Revolution And the Divas Division Is hardly any different So they've been pushing the people That I've been suggesting they push Perhaps they should be They could have been pushing uh, Sasha Banks a little bit more Than they have um, But Nonetheless, they've been doing what I've advised them to do and it's still not made much of a difference in terms of crowd reactions. So that suggests to me that I was being very harsh on Nikki. And on top of that, um, we've seen the likes of Becky, Charlotte, Paige, um, Sasha go out there, have 15-minute matches and they haven't been able to replicate or come anywhere close to replicating um, the quality of the matches they were having on on NXT and I think there's a reason for that and the key reason is is that the NXT crowd is a lot more receptive to female wrestling and the more mainstream uh, main roster audience is far less so because for many many years they've been taught to consider the Divas as um, a sideshow act that um, don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. And I think it will take time to um, change that perception. And it's an education process, and I think it will take time. And it could be this year, it could be next year, before that more mainstream main roster audience finally starts to change and come around to the NXT audience ways of thinking when it comes to female wrestlers do you think they're ever going to turn that
1: corner though i mean because with the NXT fans i mean it's 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 a very niche audience um, it's a small arena at full sail university um, so it's easier for a chant to break out it's it's like i said it's a more niche audience so you have your your more hardcore your your smart marks as they're called uh, which pack the the large majority of the crowd, as opposed to you know working a show, let's say in Brooklyn, for example, in front of fourteen thousand people, uh, where it's a, a more casual audience, like the Raw that we saw um, the week before last, there, uh, which wasn't very kind to the product, uh, to, to be honest. But then again, some may argue that they didn't give them anything uh, to to be excited about. So I mean, is it a case of the the crowd needs to to warm up to and and further appreciate? female wrestling and the divas division or is that just something that's a
2: niche appetite that's never going to break uh, break out from that I don't know I mean when they ran their NXT takeover specials in the last few months the reactions at the larger arenas such as in Brooklyn and also in London um, were fantastic for the females I mean Asuka um, when she wrestled um, just a few weeks ago in London at the takeover special um, received a monumental reaction, as did Bailey and Bailey furthermore um, her reaction when she won the title um, just before summerslam um, from Sasha banks was huge, and um, you know that was a big, big crowd in brooklyn so I, I think that um, there is still time there is still scope for the more mainstream audience to turn around and to accept this um, uh, quality of wrestling from the females and to to almost consider them as equals to the male wrestlers. Uh, But I think it's, it's a thing where they've got to be patient. I just don't think it's going to click straight away Um, Unless somebody comes along um, Who is just An absolute superstar Somebody like a Ronda Rousey who decides Okay I've had enough of UFC um, Let's go and try WWE And who knows I mean she'll she'll have a big Rematch with Holly Holm In 2016 And if she loses again she might think well okay Maybe it's time to Um Give this MMA thing a break for a while and do something else and come back in a few years. Let me do wrestling. Let me do WWE. If she enters WWE, I'm sure that she'll be a huge, huge star from day one. So you never know. Something like that can make a difference, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's already a massive, uh, massive celebrity. So
1: um, she'd be bringing quite a bit to the table, not just for the Divas Division, but for, for World Wrestling Entertainment in general. Um, Okay, so let's move on to a few other quick highlights here on Monday Night Raw because we've got a lot to cover on the show tonight. Uh, The Wyatt family uh, attacked both Ryback and the Big Show to no contest. Not exactly sure where they're going with this. I kind of feel like the Wyatt family's uh, a bit adrift at sea right now trying to figure out what's next for Bray Wyatt. What are you going to do next with him? Uh, And from my personal perspective, uh, the, the needle really doesn't move for me when I see the Big Show or Ryback on TV um, I, I really don't know what they're doing uh here with the big show. Uh I, I, I don't know I mean, other than rolling him out the way you would the great callie for special appearances uh as a novelty act. I'm not sure what uh what's left to be done for the big show, but I think the more important question is what's next for the Wyatt family?
2: Well, this seems like a classic case of um, creative having nothing for these acts. Um, I think they're both in limbo at the moment. They're putting them onto TV, but they haven't got any real firm direction. Obviously, the Wyatts have um, come off a recent program and um, looking to move them in a different direction, but there's four of them. So to have them feud against... One one individual or even a tag team is difficult when there's four. Um, and the numbers just don't really stack up. So it could be that the logical way for these guys to go is to break up again. Um, and that that's certainly a possibility that I've tried that in the past before deciding to bring them back together again. And um, they need to decide what to do with Braun Strowman because he's somebody who has got the size and the look to become... A big in terms of his ring work. I don't think they feel he's ready yet, so they're trying to protect him by uh, having him around um, the others within that family: Harper, Owen, and Bray Wyatt. um, If he's working tag six man or even eight man, his time in the ring is limited. At some point, they're going to have to do something a bit more with him, and um, you know it could be that he might be a prime opponent for uh, one of the top acts at WrestleMania. Um, But if that's the case, and if that's what they want to do, they're going to have to start booking him strong from now. Um, So let's see what goes with that. But yeah, I agree in terms of the big show. There's everything they could have done with him. They've done 10 times over um, during the 17 years he's been in the WWE. The the fans a few weeks ago were chanting, please retire. And as much as I like the guy, I think he's been a great professional. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's hard to disagree
1: yeah I mean it's just nothing more yet it's just tough that you get to that point where um you have large groups of people chanting that at you because I mean it's you know it's it's disrespectful but at the same time I mean you can understand the uh the apathy uh that the crowd has um for uh for acts like the big show Kane being another one as well uh I mean we've talked about it in the past on this show I mean it's just like you know how much more can we see what more can we see so um Speaking of that, let's talk about Chris Jericho, who made his one thousandth re return on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Chris Jericho claiming that he is once again returning to uh, to Monday Night Raw to save the WWE. Uh, I mean, I, whenever I see Chris Jericho, I mean, I, I like Chris Jericho. I think he's a he's a pretty cool dude. Um, so you know, Chris Jericho uh, is fine in my book. But, I, I again, I mean, what is this about? You know, I mean, what? because to me, Chris Jericho, at this point in his career and at this point in 2016 and World Wrestling
2: Entertainment, just doesn't really add anything to the product. Do you disagree with me? Absolutely not, no. Um, you know, he's talking about saving the WWE. I think he needs to save his waistline. Um, he was bulging out of that um, waistcoat or, um, um, you, you call it something else, the vest, don't you? And... Uh, Yeah, he didn't look in the best of shape Even worse shape than me And um, I I just, I'm really sick and tired Of Chris Jericho, if I'm being perfectly honest He comes in for two or three months Works a program, disappears And then he's gone for six months And then he comes again Um, You know, for people like Brock Lesnar Who've got something to offer And a really interesting character um, You know, just as we were talking about the big show Similarly, Chris Jericho been there, done that Wore the a t-shirt ten times over two. And there's nothing they can really do with him uh, that we haven't seen already. So, rather than give the time for someone like that, give it to someone from NXT who's hungry and wants to prove themselves. I'd much rather they devote some TV time to a fresh character rather than a stale old character that's got nothing more to offer. And yes, he's still a perfectly sound worker and he can go out there and have a good match, but I mean, there's people having good matches on TV several times a week, week after week. So that's nothing special anymore. Um, We need something a bit more than that. And yeah, I mean, you can come out with these cheesy lines, and as a promo, he's okay. But yeah, I'd much rather than invest that time in somebody new, somebody fresh. And uh, that's why, if Chris Jericho stays around for another two or three months, maybe up to WrestleMania. Perhaps after that is the time to say thank you. I uh, wish you well especially, uh, in your uh, future endeavors. Yeah. Um, well, here's
1: something that's new and interesting, or at least I find it to be somewhat interesting. Keith Slater, Adam Rose, Bo Dallas, and Curtis Axel have formed a faction called the Social Outcasts, or as I tweeted on Monday night, the Job Squad 2.0. Um, <laughs> what do you think about this news? You know, this is after, by the way, Heath Slater defeated former... Now I know some of our listeners may not even remember this because it seems like it was so long ago. Former two-time two-time World Heavyweight Champion, Dolph Ziggler. You talk about a fall from grace. Dolph Ziggler does the honors for Heath Slater, the one-man band on Monday Night leading to a faction being formed called the Social Outcast. What do you think about the Social Outcast, Mo?
2: Wow. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> Goodness gracious Uh, I I thought that the uh, League of Nations was um, A very randomly put together squad That have got no chemistry between them whatsoever Um, They've still got way more than uh, this um, band of jobbers Uh, It's completely, completely bizarre um, Why they've decided to bring these guys together Um, You know, three-man band uh, Were bad enough as as a trio But these four, I mean, come on <laughs> what are they thinking? Um, they've been doing nothing in the WWE whatsoever. Um, the only one that's of any interest to me is Bo Dallas because um, I, I, I like his, 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 his character in a kind of guilty pleasure sort of way. Um, but Curtis Axel has been doing nothing of interest ever since they ditched his Hogan um, tribute act character. Adam Rose's gimmick just doesn't resonate with me whatsoever, and Heath Slater. I think he's a good southern um heel um but he's in completely the wrong environment to make that work so all things considered just a bizarre decision to bring these four guys together the only possible idea i can come up with is that they're the new guys to feud with the wyatts and um, if that's the case then uh yeah i know what i'll be doing whenever that segment comes on tv yeah um well you know what's interesting about this is that um
1: You know, much like about, that was about 10, 11, 12 years ago, you couldn't find a superhero movie to save your life. And now we have this genre of superhero movies and comic book films across all these different platforms to the point where there's so many that it's starting to feel like Westerns. Now, there there was a long period of time that went by in WWE where you had no stables at all. The stables were gone. There were no stables. And then we had, we had the Shield. The Shield came along, and the Shield were great. And we have the Wyatt family. The Wyatt family's back together again. And we have the New Day. Now we have the League of Nations. Now we have the Social Outcasts. During the Divas Revolution, we had Team PCB. We had Team Bella. The WWE has nearly as many, if not as many, factions and groups and stables now as they did during the Attitude Era. Um, and, I mean, not, not every single one of those during the Attitude Era was fantastic and, and, and great either. I mean, vis-a-vis the Truth Commission uh, would be a perfect example. But um, I, I don't know if, if this is their way of saying, hey, look, we're trying something new and exciting. We're, we're, we're energizing the product here a little bit. Or if it's just desperation and that, you know, we've got a couple of guys sitting around. We have nothing to do with them. So, hell, it worked with us with New Day. Let's try and do it again with Heath Slater, Adam Rose, Bo Dallas, and Curtis Axel um i mean i can't fault him for trying i just don't think it will work but i gotta give heath slater credit this man is like a cockroach you just can't kill him like this guy won't go away he's gonna hold on to that job at that place forever my only suggestion would be why not throw zach
2: Ryder in there too while you're at it well absolutely yeah um (laughs) it's such a random kind of collection of guys um you know he be equally as well of a fit as uh, a Curtis Axel or an Adam Rhodes but yeah it's just for me some uh, sign of lazy booking where instead of having to come up with ideas for four individuals they can come up with an idea for one group um, which happens to be comprised of four individuals and it's the same with um, the other acts such as uh, PCB that you mentioned where instead of coming up with three storylines for Tamina Um, Sasha Banks and Naomi having to come up with one storyline for the three of them Um, so that for me reeks of laziness um, and a lack of ideas generally um, because that's an issue that has plagued WWE creative for quite a while now yeah, the actionary booking yes, yes um, where they haven't really got any firm plans of where they want to take characters and they just group them together and uh see what comes of it and in a way that that's what happened with new day um kofi kingston wasn't really going anywhere and uh big E similarly um after he split away from Dolph and uh um who's the third guy i forget his name <laughs> oh in in the new day yes yes oh well we it's uh we have Big E, kofi kingston and xavier woods big xavier woods there you yes. go yeah. um and again, he, he was going nowhere fast. And they decided, okay, well, let's just bring the three of them together and let's hope for the best then. uh To everyone's surprise, probably to those three individuals' surprises, um, that group, that actors worked. worked. Um, so WWE creative perhaps thinks well. You never know. Let's try it with League of Nations. Let's try it with this new group, Social Outcasts, um, and maybe they might just uh, hit it off with the, f- the fan base too.
1: And honestly, I mean, I don't have a problem with the experimentation. If they want to go ahead and take a take take a crack at it, I mean, you got these guys sitting around. Why not? I actually uh, support this idea of the Social Outcasts more than I do the League of Nations because the League of Nations to me is is a um, is a complete waste because it is. The, they, they create the appearance that this is a top of the card main event stable of heels, when in fact it is not. Rusev is not a main event heel, and when you made him a main event heel, you pulled the rug out from under him when you took away his uh, his pro Russian and and pro, and pro uh, Putin gimmick, and now we forget like that didn't even exist. He had red hot nuclear heat at times when you were doing that, and they just took it away from him. Um, for no reasons, I don't know if it was to be politically correct or or, or what the case might be, um, but I mean he had some some real heat and they they took that away from him. Alberto Del Rio, no, no there's no need for him to be in a stable. I mean um, this guy should be running on his own and he should be chasing the heavyweight title. Uh, you're not getting what you uh, what you had hoped you were going to get out of a main event Latin star that you wanted in the spotlight for your company, and that's a, that's no fault of Del Rio's. I think that has entirely to do with the booking. Um, and then Sheamus, as I've stated before, just looks ridiculous. And, of course, um, Wade Barrett, from time to time, pops in and out of the League of Nations, and no one can seem to tell when he's there and when he's not. So that's not good news for uh, for Wade Barrett either. But I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm going to try and be positive about it. If WWE wants to experiment with more stables, um, then, hey, l- let it happen. Um, and uh, and maybe something, uh, something will come from it. But, I mean, it, it worked with the New Day.
2: So... Yeah, I agree. Um, Just um, very quickly, I I, echo those sentiments. And I'd rather they do something different and experiment rather than just churn out the same old formulate predictable crap, uh, which unfortunately we had been getting for too much of the latter part of 2016. And in contrast, uh, 2015 rather, the earlier part of 2015 um, was a lot stronger, uh, we were getting some great matches, some good storylines. Um, but as the months wore on, um, leading into the latter part of 2015, um, the quality of Raw certainly um, took a big dip, and that was reflected. Ryan
1: Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
2: It's in the rating, so if, if they want to try different things, then I'm, I'm all for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And um, So let's go to the main event
1: and talk about what, uh, what closed the show. It was Roman Reigns defending the WWE Championship against Sheamus. The special guest referee was none other than Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And what on paper would appear to be a very exciting main event, and at times it did have its moments, uh, overall, in my humble opinion, did not deliver, and I felt like the ending couldn't have been any more convoluted. I'm not exactly sure what was going on there, um, especially at the end when Scott Armstrong is being called out to pin, um, pin Roman Reigns' shoulders to the mat, even though... Uh, Vince is right there. He's coherent. He can clearly make the pin uh, for the heel that he's supporting and heel Sheamus himself. He didn't do that. And and, and the other thing, too, is, is I understand that you want to bring Vince into this thing because Vince being on television will draw draw eyeballs to the product. But at the same time, I also feel in a way that when you have these special guest referee matches and it's a heel special guest referee, it's taking away from heel heat. So once again, it's not helping to build Sheamus as the heel, the main event heel that you want him to be. That and, of course, the lack of execution at the end of the match, I felt like it was extremely convoluted. Uh, A couple of other things that I found bizarre as well. Uh, You know, Roman Reigns, they've been trying to build him as an anti-hero character, similar to Stone Cold Steve Austin, at least that's what I perceive. I was a little uncomfortable as a viewer, in that moment when it appeared as if Roman Reigns might be spearing a 70-year-old man. Uh, I don't know that that's exactly uh, what you want to convey on television to people when you're trying to build this guy as a babyface. And in addition to that, uh, Stephanie also took a bump uh, thanks to uh, to Roman Reigns. So there was a lot of inconsistent booking and convoluted things going on in that main event. What what did you think of it, Mo?
2: Yeah, I agree. It was um, just... Way too complex um, in terms of what they need to present. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, yeah, that, you know, in the past, uh, I don't want to sound like a miserable old git, but. Storylines were normally presented in a very simple way Pro wrestling is supposed to be simple It's not supposed to be um, Extremely complicated And um, something that you have to sit there And really think about In terms of trying to follow storylines But yeah there was just too much going on And it You know, if you tried to think about it, then a lot of it just wouldn't make sense. Like, um, if all the referees are supposed to be in fear of losing their jobs, why would John Coleman come out and uh, count the three at the end? It just wouldn't make any sense. And, um, you know, the, the thing about, you know, Roman Reigns threatening to be physical with Vince, yeah, I completely agree with that as well. Um, it was it was it wasn't it wasn't really um the best kind of thing to be putting on tv um especially when you've got a younger audience too um that, that kind of thing is a bit unnecessary and uncalled for even though um you know they perhaps want to pretend that Vince isn't 70 years old but if that's the case why well, mention he's 70 in the first place yeah and um, just don't mention his age then if they want to involve him on a, on a physical um Uh, level but um, the the one thing I did like about the finish was where he got on the mic and said um, you're going to defend the title in the Royal Rumble match itself which is something they've never done Um, so that was a good twist right at the end and I like that yeah I know I mean I
1: I thought that stipulation added uh, a hell of a lot I mean this is the only time Um, that the wwe title will be defended in the royal rumble it was up for grabs when it was vacated in the 1992 royal rumble which of course rick flair won uh entering second if you remember the the famous bobby heenan oh yes Uh, it's not fair to flair um (laughs) (laughs) and then uh the best was that interview at the end with a tear in my eye um and for me the highlight uh you go back and check this out was gene who is shouting at someone off-camera to, quote, put that cigarette out. Um, Classic Gene Okerlund. But um, (laughs) one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time, and certainly my favorite Royal Rumble match itself, is the 92 Royal Rumble. So um, a close second being 99 when Vince McMahon eliminated Stone Cold Steve Austin. So um, you know what? It adds an element of unpredictability and surprise and also starts to build... Uh, to the epic uh, Wrestlemania from Dallas, Texas in which they are trying to put 100,000 asses in the seats Uh, they still have a lot of work to do but um, they are are building and heading in a direction for that and we're going to discuss that a little bit later on so overall Mo, uh, before we move on from Monday Night Raw, a letter grade from you uh, for the performance on January the 4th
2: I'm afraid it'll have to be a C Um, some of it I liked some of it I didn't like average could do better Gotcha. Well, I'm going to have to agree with you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and say a C- minus, uh,
1: just because the, uh, the finish of that matchup uh, couldn't have been any more convoluted uh, for the main event. So um, uh, back to the drawing board for WWE on that. But overall, the, the rating's not that terrible. Uh, could have been better, but um, overall, uh, still okay for WWE right now as they... Uh, start to live up and fulfill their new commitments to uh, to USA Network with including SmackDown making its debut on USA this week. So uh, with that being said, let's move on and talk about the breaking news, which has set the dirt sheets on fire this week. And that is numerous media outlets reporting Monday that AJ Styles, Sensuki Nakamura, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows All of New Japan Pro Wrestling, although AJ Styles was not technically under contract with New Japan, have all signed with WWE. This is massive news, especially for Bullet Club fans and fans of Finn Balor. Mo... um What do you think of this news, and what was your first reaction when you heard of it?
2: Well, I was taken aback. Um, I was really, really uh, surprised in a way. I mean, I was half expecting AJ Styles to end up in the WWE this year. Um, He certainly made um, comments in interviews which seems to suggest he was at least considering um, the opportunity of finally joining the WWE, arguably the best, a North American wrestler of the last 10-15 years Not to have gone through the WWE So that was something I did expect What I didn't expect was This um, mass kind of uh, Transition of four guys from New Japan Straight over to the WWE This is a real and coup for WWE It is, it is Um AJ Styles is one of the best wrestlers in the world Uh, You know, we've talked at length about how good a wrestler Seth Rollins is, how he's arguably the best worker um, and pro wrestler uh, in in the business right now. Um, AJ Styles is every bit as good, if not better, on his day. And he's a remarkable talent. He's been very, very good, a top, top worker for coming up to 15 years now. Um, He was one of the pioneers for Ring of Honor, when it launched in 2002 and was a uh, high for them in its early days and um, then went over to TNA and had a tremendous time there albeit the last couple of years were a bit subdued as TNA uh, said so. He went into decline And has um, rested his career In New Japan and in the Indies But notably New Japan Where he has been um, A World Heavyweight Champion And um, so for him to finally um, Be captured by the WWE is, is huge And I expect him And um, his fellow Bullet Club members um, To certainly make a splash And what will be interesting Is to see if uh, the WWE Actually decides To adopt the Bullet Club uh, gimmick And bring it into the WWE Because as we know, um, unless it's a gimmick coming from a company that they bought out, they traditionally haven't um, brought gimmicks over in that in that kind of way, um, so if they do that, that would be that'll be great because it's it's a good gimmick, it's a good faction. Um, I mean, yes, it's another faction for the WWE, but this is this is a faction uh, with a difference, and it's got some uh, real uh, cool, cutting edge kind of a vibe about it. So I, I greatly look forward to seeing these guys um, in the WWE. Though I suspect that we'll probably have to see them in NXT before. They arrive on the main roster.
1: Yeah. So um, my understanding is, and this this could be incorrect, that uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling owns the trademark on the Bullet Club, but I don't know that uh, to be certain. That is just my suspicion based upon the fact that I believe it was conceived in New Japan Pro Wrestling and by New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I think the Booker Gato may have had something to do with it. But again, I'm speculating. So if anybody else knows differently, and they you know they have some uh, some facts to present on that. My apologies in advance. I do think, however, that uh, WWE could, if they wanted to, and I think it may be smart business for them to do this, uh, to put it under the banner of the Balor Club. I mean, listen, uh, we had Fight Steen fight on the indies, and now we have Fight Owens fight in WWE. We had the Bullet Club in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and on the independent circuit, perhaps you could have the Balor Club in NXT and in WWE. I know that Finn Balor's been pretty excited about this because he sent out a series of tweets uh, regarding the Bullet Club and his compatriots coming over. Um, I think it's a really exciting opportunity for WWE. It gives them a number of different options and places to go because uh, as it stands right now, there are several members of the NXT roster that need to come up to the main roster. I think Finn Balor, I think we all can agree, is definitely one of them. I think Samoa Joe... Uh, is definitely uh, another. Some would even argue Sami Zayn. Um, But in order to do that, you're going to have to replenish the talent pool in NXT as well. And what better way to do that than with a coup like this, especially if you decide to move Finn Balor up and AJ Styles becomes uh, NXT World Heavyweight Champion. I think that that's something that could definitely happen in the near future, another option that I would look at as well is, uh, quite frankly, replicating the uh, the the angle that featured the radicals with Chris Benoit and uh, Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero. Um, and I mean, so you could basically have these guys coming in like some radical group, similar to them, similar to
2: uh, to Nexus in the past, um, under the the Baller Club banner. Well, that's right. Um, you know, it could be that they might decide. Well, actually, let's just. Um Polish them off in terms of the way we like to do things in NXT. Perhaps have them debut sometime this month, and then um, the the Raw after WrestleMania uh, make an instant impact with a major angle on that show. And you know what I've got to say is, is that most of the guys in that group, AJ Styles um, and Carl uh, Anderson in particular, are um, certainly. Types of characters who can come in and certainly um, come off and carry themselves as headline acts, as bona fide main event talents. Um, so they'd have no problem whatsoever in, in hanging with the top talent in the on the main roster, never mind NXT. But you're right, I mean, it'd be an ideal opportunity also for um, some of the more deserving members of the NXT roster. To um, transition over to the main roster without leaving NXT adversely worse off, so, so it, it's it's a bit it's a big win because they're all fine talents. I mean, Shinsuke Nakamura, I've been following his career since he debuted in New Japan, and he's he's a great worker. The only thing is, um, he's he's got a very unique character. Which I think works really well in Japan And I'm not convinced it can work Quite as well in Japan So I think he's definitely somebody Who's in need of the NXT treatment Just to see if the character can work Or if it needs to be tweaked uh, for Western audiences Um, But that aside um, You know WWE in acquiring these four talents Are bringing guys Who are great characters Um Great work. I mean, okay. Um, Gallows is somebody I'm not particularly keen on. Um, I wasn't impressed with him in New Japan's G1 Climax tournament in August. You know, he's been in the WWE in the past, and um, but yeah, he's he's a guy who I'm not the biggest fan of. um, But hopefully, he can prove me wrong. But in terms of the other three, exceptional, exceptional talent. So great, great news for. The wwe
1: yeah nakamura uh made his debut in japan or at least with new japan pro wrestling in 2003 i guess the only question would be i mean you look at his his list of accomplishments he's one of the most accomplished professional wrestlers um in the history of japan uh honestly i mean you look at um, uh, everything that he's accomplished in the uh, the 12 or so years that he's been uh there competing in new japan pro wrestling it is Very, very impressive. But the guy's 35 years old. I mean, again, it's like what we talked about with Finn Balor. It's like the guy's 32. I mean, these aren't exactly prospects anymore. So, I mean, how long does WWE intend on having these guys sit in NXT before they
2: actually move up to the main roster? They can't wait that long. Indeed. And AJ Styles is 38, though he's 39. I know he looks younger, but, yeah, he's approaching 40. So, uh, and he's he's a guy who's excelled as an athletic worker, and, you know, I dare say that five years from now, he just won't be able to work that same kind of athletic style that he's become synonymous for. So the time is, uh, the clock is certainly ticking for um, the likes of AJ Styles, even Samoa Joe, who are into the th- well into their 30s now, and... Um, It's time to make best use of them now, rather than keep them waiting for too long um, on NXT. So let's just wait and see. But if um, the the creative team um, have half a clue, then they'll be able to do some really, really cool things with um, these four talents that they've acquired this week. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen. We still have a lot to discuss
1: here on the show. Uh, We were going to get in-depth on the Royal Rumble booking options, but I think uh, what we're going to do is we'll take some Twitter questions on it and we'll continue to discuss it as the storylines develop over the next uh, few weeks. So let's go into our Twitter questions right now. We've got two very good ones this week, Uh, questions and comments, if you will. And the first comes from... uh, uh, Ike at Illini Hockey 3 on Twitter. Thank you, as always, for listening and participating in the show, Ike. Um, Ike says, if all of the New Japan pro wrestling guys that WWE just signed go to NXT, does NXT now have a better roster than Raw? Mo, what do you think about that?
2: Well, well um, it'd be hard to argue against that, to be honest. Um, in AJ Styles, he's... Uh, probably one of the top five or six wrestlers in the entire world he's he's that good he is an exceptional talent from bell to bell um on his day he's arguably the best in the business um there's very few workers that can do what he can do um the only people i'd say are at his level or maybe slightly ahead are um seth rollins um uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi from New Japan Shinsuke Nakamura uh, Nak- No not Shinsuke Nakamura um, Kazuki Okada As well um, And that's pretty much about it He's in really really elite company And um, He's he's really 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 good And uh, If he's in there alongside the likes of Samoa Joe who's had some classic Matches with him in the past And you've got the likes of Finn Balor as well um you know they between the three of them are every bit as good as anyone on the main roster um, and then you've got some of the other cut talent that 's underneath, um such as Jordan and Gable and others um it's a really strong deep Roster, and um, so you could even argue that that roster that's supposed to be a developmental roster is stronger than the finished product and um, that sits on the main roster. Um, so that's a very good uh, kind of point. Um, but uh, nonetheless, it's all good for the WWE universe because you know they can have access to Raw, SmackDown, main event and NXT and get the best of both worlds.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I would say, um, I would echo a lot of the same points that you've made. What I would say is, I would just say, you know, to me, kind of define better a little bit, uh, you know, is what I'm saying to Ike, because um, better in terms of of work, yes, I would say that there are better workers in NXT right now, I think, overall. Um, But then again, is that based on the fact that they get a larger canvas to paint with? Or is it because there are actually more skilled workers in NXT than WWE? I think that's uh, that's definitely a debate that you could have, um, and great points could be made on either side. In terms of star power in America, I think right now you still have to give the nod to the main roster in WWE simply because... The WWE platform has created these stars and these guys. And, I mean, you've got, you know, the John Cena's and the Seth Rollins of the world and the Randy Orton's and, and guys like that that, you know, you hear those names and it's instantly clicks here in the States. But um, I do think this is a huge coup for WWE, and um, I think this will make NXT uh, extremely exciting. And although we are, you know... I guess hedging our bets. At least I am on the fact that uh, these guys will go to NXT first. I think you said that as well, Mo. But um, I also wouldn't rule out a possibility that uh, that they could show up on the main roster first, um, or perhaps one of them even making an
2: appearance. In the Royal Rumble match So we'll have to see Indeed and Baron Corbin won't be happy will he I I don't know know if you've been watching um, Breaking Ground uh, Which is that kind of reality show um, About the NXT guys Yes Uh, He's certainly um, Somebody who's um, more than more than keen to move over to the main roster And uh, You know it's almost uh, part of the reason Why he gets a heel reaction from the audience In that he does think he's better than a lot Of the talents that are, are in NXT And also going over from NXT To the main roster Yeah. Um, so if people come in and then jump into the main roster uh, before he gets the chance then he'll be even more pissed off
1: well you know what i mean the man has all the right in the world to be confident in his ability and his character he's one hell of a professional athlete there's no doubt about it but at the same time i would also caution and say be careful what you wish for because um sometimes uh you would be better served to continue to to build your character and work uh, in nxt um Here's another question that we got. This one comes from our old friend Sam McGuire at Sam maguire 90 on Twitter. Thanks for the uh, the question and comment, my friend. He says Triple H wins the Royal Rumble to set up Reigns versus Triple H at Mania. When McMahon and company help, The Rock comes down to try and assist, setting up something there as well. What do you think about this? You know, The Rock is uh, confirmed to be a part of WrestleMania Triple H has been strategically kept off of television. Uh, without going into this too much, because we're going to explore it over the next few weeks, uh, do you think that um, there's a good possibility here that Triple H might walk out of
2: the Rumble with the title? Well, um, one of the things that we speculated uh, discussed uh, prior to Christmas was about um, WrestleMania and whether... Triple H and Roman Reigns uh, Will contest a match And I think my view At that time was that um, That match between Triple H And Roman Reigns um, Doesn't need to involve the title But given the announcement This past week on Raw I think there's every possibility That Triple H can uh, Become a 14 time champion And win the title once more And that would be A great, great uh, platform um, to set up that match between he and Roman Reigns um, for WrestleMania. Um, that, that, that's certainly a very, very plausible uh, scenario, and it's something that I think would add a bit more to that storyline. So even though in the past I have talked about how that match doesn't need um, the title involved as part of the storyline, I think there's every chance it will be. And if that's the case, then... Um, It will certainly make it really interesting and potentially could really solidify uh, Roman Reigns as a a bona fide main event act as well. Um, So it'd be really interesting to see how they book the storyline. It's been quite clear for a good couple of months now that um, that's the direction they wanted to head ever since it became clear that Seth Rollins will not be able to wrestle at WrestleMania due to his knee injury. Um, So that plan obviously changed, and it's Roman Reigns that has benefited and has moved into the Seth Rollins spot. And I hope he makes the most of it as well, because... I think for a lot of fans They're still in two minds About whether he is the real deal And these next few months Leading up to Wrestlemania Are absolutely critical In terms of his long term future This is the time Where he will either sink or swim And if he makes it And does really well Performs strongly Has a great memorable match At Wrestlemania Against Triple H Whether it's for the title or not Then that can set him up As a top top headline act um, for years to come just like um it did for all john cena when he beat jbl all those many years ago at wrestlemania too
1: here's the million dollar question where does brock lesnar factor in on all this because i have some breaking news i mean literally this is coming across my desk right now as we're having this conversation brock lesnar has just been confirmed for the fast lane pay-per-view so he will work the Fastlane pay-per-view. This is a confirmation I'm getting right now. I'm also wow. finding out right now that right here in my home city of Houston, Texas, WWE will be having a live event this Friday at the Toyota Center right here in Houston, the home of the Houston Rockets. And Brock Lesnar will be at that live event, and he will be competing there.
2: Really? Wow.
1: So Goodness. This is, uh, this is interesting. They're getting Brock ready for something. Uh, where are they heading with Brock Lesnar heading into Royal Rumble and Wrestlemania I wonder what the
2: plan is for him well he's one of the special talents um, for the company and they need to do something special with him if they want to pull in a record-breaking 100,000 crowd in Dallas so giving him a kind of a match against an opponent who he's going to be expected to beat will serve no real purpose. They need to have a really top opponent line up for him. And the problem that the company's got at the moment is there's hardly any talents um, that will be perceived as credible opponents for Brock Lesnar just because of how strongly he's been booked for the last three years. So the only name I can think of is John Cena, we've already seen that match a good two or three times. Right. So where else can they go? I mean, Randy Orton is out for another year. Um, we know Seth Rollins won't be back for WrestleMania. So who else is there? Is there any possibility at all that The Rock actually
1: works Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think with all the commitments that he has to various movie roles uh, that, that that that's that's going to be a possibility for him especially when you consider the injuries he sustained after his match with john cena at wrestlemania 29 um also i i feel like if they were going to do that they would have spent more time building this thing up i mean they built up the rock cena match the rematch for a year so um do you think there's any chance at all that that still happens
2: that that could happen It's possible Um, I think it's unlikely for the reasons You've outlined Um, He's got a lot of movie commitments this year And certainly the uh, Producers will not be too keen on him Looking to work any Um Uh Anything of a physical nature at WrestleMania. If he's going out there doing maybe one spot, they'll perhaps be accepting of that. But anything more than that, I think they'll be a bit nervous about giving the uh, vast sums of money that are invested into his movies. So, yeah, I agree. It's unlikely. It's possible, though. Um, and if he does work WrestleMania, I would expect it to be in a tag or six-man match where, again, he can come in, work a few safe trademark spots and go out uh, without risking himself uh, over a 15, 20-minute singles match. Um, But, uh, yeah, I I think they need to do something interesting with him as well. If he just comes out there, cuts a promo, uh, whether it's involved in the Roman Reigns uh, Triple H match or... Just as a separate thing with Stephanie or someone else Um, Then again It's not going to serve any real great purpose This needs to be a memorable show The WWE needs um, Something to reinvigorate The company because uh, Whilst we've seen um, some decent Stuff, some decent programming There's been nothing really um, In the last several months which has grabbed everyone's attention and made everyone say, wow, that was amazing. You know, they've tried stuff in fairness to them. You know, making uh, Roman Reigns champion at, on Raw a few weeks ago uh, was one uh, attempt at that. But And we've talked about some of the things in, that they can be doing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I need to do something interesting and not just have something predictable like a uh, the primary way he comes out with all his usual catchphrases yeah absolutely well listen um
1: the time has come my friend you we, we we talked about this when we were planning the show this week we wanted to do a little bit something now that it is the new year to sort of look back and recap on everything that we have seen in 2015 in the world of professional wrestling and sports entertainment so mo chatra and myself for the listeners have put together a few awards. Our best of 2015, and our categories include show of the year, diva of the year, match of the year, tag team of the year, and professional wrestler of 2015. The best professional wrestler or sports entertainer of 2015. So, Mo Chacher, are you ready for this? Drum roll, please. Drum roll, here we go. All right, let's start off with our show of the year pick for 2015. Mo, you take it away.
2: Your Honor. Okay, well, I thought long and hard about this. Um, I'm actually going to go with a show that wasn't even in the WWE. It was New Japan's biggest show of the year, um, their WrestleMania. It was the January 4th annual Tokyo Dome Spectacular, which featured... um, several amazing matches but the final two matches um Kota Ibushi against uh shinsuke nakamura and then kazuchika okada against uh hiroshi tanahashi were amazing amazing matches and uh, topped off an amazing card and uh, that would be my show of 2015 all right fair enough that is a that is a good show um could be my my, my
1: honorable mention could have been my number one pick but my number one pick has to be WWE Hell in a Cell 2015. This is a show that, uh, other than the Divas match between Charlotte and Nikki Bella, to me, top to bottom, was the best and most complete show of 2015. It featured Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns inside a Hell in a Cell. I thought it was the best work I have seen from both of those two to date. And it featured a Brock Lesnar versus Undertaker Hell in a Cell match, which I think will go down in history as one of the better Hell in a Cell matches of all time. And the quintessential example of how to tell a story in the ring. And I think they told an incredible story, especially in the end when Brock Lesnar is tearing up the canvas for an F5 on exposed wood uh, with The
2: Undertaker. Absolutely incredible stuff. Oh, yeah, that was a great show as well. Absolutely. Um, one of the WWE's very best events, not only of 2015, but of the last several years.
1: Yeah. Good shout. Absolutely.
2: All right. Well, moving right along,
1: let us go to a category that I know that you're very excited about. And that is <laughs>
2: Diva of the Year 2015 Mo Chatra. Take it away. Right. Well, I hope Brad Gilmore's sitting down because my pick is Nikki Bella. Oh, my! Look at that! (laughs) I bet you never thought I'd say that. Yes. I mean, I had to to think about that one, and I've got to be fair. You know, she was the diva of 2015. She was number one in the PWI uh, for females, um, the top 50 or 100, I think it is, as a listing. Um, She was obviously... Voted WWE Diva of the Year for the Slammy Awards um, For most of the year Until she went on hiatus um, She was the focal point Of the Divas division um, Obviously as a worker I don't rate her um, To the level I do with some of the other Divas in the WWE um, But as an overall performer And a character um, She has come on in leaps and bounds I have to say And um, you know Of all the talents in the WWE She's definitely She's um, definitely the most uh, pleasing on the eye. So, for that reason, amongst others, um I go with Nikki Bella. Well, Mo, we are 100% in
1: agreement on this because I too am naming the 2015 Pro Wrestling Index Diva of the Year Nikki Bella. Nikki Bella in my mind is the complete package for what you're looking for. Um she is a crossover star from Total Divas to the squared circle. She was the longest reigning Divas champion, uh, defeating A.J. Lee's record by, I believe, one day or something like that, um, or maybe a few days or a week or, or what have you, but uh, until she lost the uh, the title to Charlotte. Um, she was the focal point of the Divas re- uh, Revolution, and I would also argue that uh, you could make the case that she was the most improved athlete in WWE of 2015. She has come leaps and bounds, um, especially on the mic, and although her work inside the ring isn't the very best, uh, much like other stars that we've seen in the past, Hulk Hogan being one of them, the work's not great, but it's good enough, and when you have all these other things combined to make the total package, I think Nikki Bella, unquestionably, was the 2015 uh, diva of the year. All right, here we go tag team of the year the tag team division heating up once again in wwe but this isn't just for wwe these are tag teams all over the world so we could have picked someone from ring of honor new japan pro wrestling hell reality of wrestling for that matter uh tna if they're still in business um so mo your choice for the tag team of the year and all of professional wrestling and sports entertainment who you got
2: okay well I can't look beyond the New Day, I'm afraid. Um, There were teams um, such as the Young Bucks um, who were exceptional and had fantastic matches all around the world. Um, And even though the New Day, in terms of in-ring work, and quality of matches um, so from my perspective can't compare to the Young Bucks um, certainly in terms of characters, certainly in terms of entertainment uh, promos they were a breath of fresh air in the WWE in 2015 and um, their um, chants, their catchphrases uh, became huge and um, You know, transcended the WWE and even if you go to indie shows, possibly even uh, your reality wrestling shows, um, you probably hear fans um, coming up with chants, um, which are inspired by what they've heard from the New Day. And so, you know, they've been a breath of fresh air, a great uh, breakout kind of act um, that have um, defied the odds to become successful and over uh, group within the WWE. So, my uh, nod goes to them. Well, my friend, we're 100% once again because
1: I also agree with you the new day, unquestionably. The tag team of the year the young bucks definitely an honorable mention um, i would also put another honorable mention in there um and that is a war machine uh featuring a good friend of mine ray Rowe, uh in ring of honor um i think they've done a hell of a, a good job this year especially ray coming back from from that motorcycle accident and the injury that he had to redefine his career um but overall I mean, let's be serious here, people. New Day is absolute money and the biggest act, overall act, uh, that WWE has for 2015 uh, into 2016. So New Day rocks, and New Day is also my 2015 Tag Team of the Year. Okay, here we go. The anticipation is building. It is time for us to name our Match of the Year. Now, Mo. Do you have any sort of honorable mentions or close uh, seconds, if you will? uh, Or do you just have one that just stands out to you and boom, that is unquestionably the 2015 match of the year? What do you say?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mentioned a couple of matches just a few minutes ago um, from the New Japan Tokyo Dome show from January 4th of last year, which were incredible matches. Um, I've been on a... Um, A a binge watch Of uh, Wrestling from around the world And um, I've been watching A number of other Fantastic matches From promotions Such as Dragon Gate And Uh progress wrestling um here in the uk um but my match of the year would have to be um the three way match from a year ago between Brock lesnar john cena and seth rollins it was non-stop full pelt action throughout and it was just awe-inspiring amazing amazing match that is my 2015 match of the year yeah that is uh man that's hard to beat that is really hard to
1: beat um that, that to me is is the match that really put Seth Rollins on the map um, as a breakout star uh, the, the, just uh, the, it, it by the time that match was over it looked like a complete demolition derby um, like a natural disaster had just come through the arena um, so uh, that 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 is tough to beat but I do have two and I'll start with my honorable mention. Um, because the I mean the violence and the carnage in that match was great. But in terms of storytelling and in terms of this being the greatest women's match, I think, in the history of professional wrestling, Sasha Banks versus Bailey at NXT Takeover in Brooklyn has to be on anybody's short list for best best match of the year. Bailey defeating Sasha. Um the absolute drama from all that. I mean, both competitors moved to tears. I mean, hell I was even close to it. Um, To be honest, the atmosphere in Brooklyn was incredible that night. Bailey's entrance and the tribute uh, that she did during it to the late um, American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Um, Their exchanges, the false finishes, the chain wrestling, everything about that match was extremely special. So that is definitely my honorable mention. My pick, however, for match of the year has to be the finals of the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax from August the 16th of this past year. And this matchup was between Tanahashi and Nakamura. This, to me, is as close to... You know, people use the the, the term, the phrase, five-star match all the time. Go out there. You can find this match on the internet. It's out there. It's available. Just Google it. This is as close to a five-star match as you will ever see. The work in this matchup. When when this match is over, this match goes a little over half an hour. When it's over, you realize what you've seen and how and how really special it is. So that is my pick for the the 2015 match of the year.
2: Great shout again, absolutely fantastic.
1: Yeah, I mean it's very very special. Um, and I mean the last few years, the work that's being put out from New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, it just makes you fall in love with wrestling again. And and it's also really great that we get to see it now here in the United States, thanks to Access TV and. And have the American commentary um, over it as well. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen. The moment has arrived. It is time for Mo Chatra and myself to choose our 2015 Wrestler of the Year.
2: Mo, a lot of choices. Who'd you pick? Well, there's a lot of competition, but there's only one person for me, and that is Seth Rollins. What an incredible performer. Um, You know, he's he's somebody I've had my eye on for a number of years um, from his earlier days as Tyler Black when he uh, debuted in Ring of Honor and um, became a big star there. And, um, you know, he he really um, made a statement whilst he was in Ring of Honor as a great in-ring performer. Um, but in terms of personality He was certainly lacking um, So it's good that he went to I think it was FCW um, Which was then the developmental territory For the WWE uh, Developed his promos And his character side of things um, So when he arrived on the main roster As part of the Shield um, You know, he was really looking like A good all-round performer um, But in 2015 Is when he really broke out As you mentioned um, Starting at the Royal Rumble And from there, he's just gone from strength to strength. And, you know, there are some people who doubted whether he could um, come across as a viable, incredible headline act. And boy, did he. He was just a fantastic world champion who was not only having great matches and um, carrying Raw um, in terms of having fantastic contests week in, week out, he was also somebody who was um, a great character full stop You know, great on the mic, great personality, great as a heel. And despite some dubious booking um, throughout 2015, you know, he still uh, withstood all of that and came across as a star right until uh, the end, at which point, you know, obviously uh, he went down with that unfortunate knee injury. Um, But 2015 was undoubtedly the year of Seth Rollins. So his wrestler of the year for me is Seth Rollins.
1: Yeah, I um, I have to agree, again, 100%. There is no doubt about it in my mind whatsoever. His matches with John Cena, his match that he had with Cena at SummerSlam, the triple threat match that you named Match of the Year at the Royal Rumble between Cena, Lesnar, and Rollins. Seth Rollins held the title for 221 days. That is just three days shy of tying Brock Lesnar's longest title reign. And it is also the 20th longest title reign in WWF and WWE history. This goes all the way back to Bruno. So that's pretty impressive for your first title reign. Um, In addition to all that, as you also mentioned, Mo, overcoming the booking. I mean, as as I pointed out on this show previously, Seth Rollins was booked to lose in more than 90% of his title matches. And yet still continue to maintain himself as a legitimate top main event heel and as a legitimate world heavyweight champion. Seth Rollins, uh, you know, I hope he has a speedy recovery and comes back stronger than ever because um, the sky is the limit for one of the most transformational stars that we've seen in quite some time. No doubt about it. Seth Rollins is the Pro Wrestling Index unanimous pick for 2015 wrestler of the year make sure you tweet at us at the pro wrestling index and let us know what your picks were for these categories we'll make sure to retweet and shout it out as well um all right before we go mo it's a new year And I think, you know, we've talked about our resolutions to start the show. What about some predictions for 2016? What are some of the things that we think we're going to see happen in WWE and NXT, New Japan, um, sports entertainment in general, professional wrestling across the board? What are some of the things we think will happen? And what is something that we hope we see? What
2: do you got? Well, it's going to be Another amazing year Uh, I think in the WWE we're going to see um, Some really exciting Acts transfer over from NXT Um, Finn Balor Almost inevitably will be Moving across, it's more a question of when rather than if And I think when he debuts It'll be something really special And that entrance, um, all on its own Will make the show Whichever show he debuts on Um, NXT as we talked about earlier Will certainly be spiced up by Uh, the introduction of the Bullet Club. And um, I think we'll also be seeing some of the uh, underneath talent uh, rise to the fore and make some impressive strides in terms of their development, and it'll be good to see that on NXT as well. Um, On the main roster itself, um, I think we're going to see um, some new things and new ideas. I think that they will still be looking to forge a new kind of identity because I think they need to do that given the kind of um, problems that they had with booking a compelling product in the latter half of 2015. And I think they'll continue to experiment and try different things. Um, So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And, uh, you know, there'll be some good stuff And there'll be some bad stuff But at least if they're trying to do something different Then then I, I would certainly welcome that And uh, looking further afield from the WWE uh, I think Ring of Honor is going to have a big year um, You know, they have got a very good roster And um, I look forward to seeing what they can do um, Especially the likes of the Briscoes um, You know, I've got a lot of time for them TNA have moved over to Pop um, in the US and you know they've had a fresh start As of last night So let's see what 2016 brings for them Many people predicted they'd be completely Done and dusted by now But they're still around um, So uh, I wish them all the best And um, around the world um, There'll be some fantastic Wrestling um, Going on everywhere So if people are slightly um, Disillusioned with the WWE Or just fancy trying something alternative Or different um, Believe me um, there's so much out there your reality of wrestling and lots more besides and uh, it's more accessible than ever so just uh, make that little bit of an effort to uh, check out something that's not WWE I urge you to do that yeah I, I absolutely agree
1: 100% and, uh, and thanks for the shout that um, uh, reality wrestling definitely on my, uh, my list of predictions as well here's a few that I've got number one I believe that um, before this year is out Ronda Rousey will compete in a WWE ring. So uh, hold me to that. Number two, I believe John Cena becomes a 16-time World Heavyweight Champion. Um, and uh, Brad, don't hold this against me for stealing it from you, but uh, I do believe Sting will retire and will be the lead inductee into the 2016 WWE Hall of Fame. Um, Also, in regards to reality of wrestling, I'm not just plugging it because I work there. (laughs) I'm not just plugging it because I'm, I'm hosting the show along with Brad Gilmore. I'm saying this because we have broken ground and we are about to open a brand new facility that is just a few thousand square feet smaller than full sales facility for NXT. This is going to be a very special atmosphere and we're going to be doing TV and we're going to be doing professional wrestling on TV the right way. I think 2016 is going to be a banner year for reality of wrestling and a very exciting opportunity for people that have professional wrestling in their blood. And they love it, and they want to be a part of something very special. I think you're going to see that come across in the product with some of the great talents that we have and some of the talents who have yet to come through the door that I know will be attracted to reality of wrestling as an option because of what they'll see from the row in 2016. Here's a hope of mine. I don't know how likely this will be, but my hope for 2016 is that at some point, Mo, we see the Bullet Club Versus the shield,
2: wow, goodness, that would be
1: amazing! Amazing, and the great part about it is is that now it could actually happen, it's not just a fantasy
2: booking thing, it's something that's a, that's a distinct possibility. Uh, and one final prediction for me as well, um, battle like this I predict that Nicky Bella will ditch John Cena for young Bradley. How's about that? Oh, wow, wow, what a prediction that is! Well, that is, yeah, I think all not these- going to happen, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> all his tweets and all his love letters I think will pay off and uh, she'll be smitten and um Yeah. Yeah, you'll you'll um you won't hear the end of it once that happens. Wow. Well there you go. That is um, that
1: is a bold prediction right there by Mo Chatra. I like your other ones, I don't like that one. That <laughs> will never ever happen. Well listen. Thank you to everybody for listening to the show. Um, any final plugs, any shameless plugs, anything you got going on, Mo, before uh, before we adjourn for the evening here?
2: Well, I've got one or two things that I'm li- lining up for this year um, on the wrestling front, uh, which hopefully I'll talk about in uh, the coming weeks and months. But uh, one thing I will like to plug is this week's New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, January 4th Tokyo Dome show. It was an amazing, amazing show Perhaps even better than last year's. The final three matches, all on their own, um, are very, very strong match of the year contenders. And as I tweeted on Twitter this week, um, the main event between Okada and Tanahashi might just be the best match I've ever, ever seen. It was that good. So if you can track it down somewhere online, I would suggest you do that because it's a special show. And the best of 10, correct? That's right, yes. Yeah. And, and the best thing is um, there is um, a broadcast of it in English commentary by Kevin Kelly, X WWE commentator, Matt Stryker. And the former Yoshitatsu, um, and that commentary, uh, other than Yoshitatsu's awful commentary, is is pretty good as well. So uh, if you can track that down, I certainly urge you to do so because it was an amazing show. Wow! Well, that is definitely a bucket list
1: item of mine. Is to uh, perhaps one day uh, see a show at the Tokyo Dome, or better yet, perhaps call one. That would be uh, that would be incredible. Indeed. Yeah. Well. Um, the only thing else I have, everybody, is like I said, go check out realityofwrestling.com. Uh, new episodes posted weekly uh, on our official YouTube page. In addition to that, my co host on the show um, is also my co host on a five day a week podcast that we do. It's 30 minutes a day. It covers sports, sports entertainment, wrestling, pop culture, current events, and so much more. It's a little bit of variety, a little bit of comedy. Um, and we just are creative and have fun you can find out more about that if you go to opinionpodcast.com or look it up on itunes the name of the show is your opinion doesn't matter featuring brad gilmore and myself and we also have a twitter handle now we finally opened our official twitter account and you can find us there at yodm podcast on twitter so that's at yodm podcast on twitter other than that, thank you to Gags, as always, for the platform um, here on the Anfield Index. Congratulations to Gags, by the way. He was on LFC TV recently. I saw that video um, talking about the um, the recent adventures for Liverpool. So um, congratulations to the Anfield Index. Also, I believe, uh, Mo, Anfield Index was named the most listened to podcast um,
2: on Podbean for 2015. So look at that for sports that 's right, absolutely so it um, shows that the the reach and the uh, popularity of um, the anfield index and indeed of the uh, AI channel, uh, more broadly, is uh, growing um, day by day. So that's great news. Um, and it's testament to all the hard work that GAGS and all the rest of the uh, team um, put into uh, all of the podcasts that are taking place throughout the channel. Absolutely. A total team effort. Across the globe, you can
1: find out more about this show by finding us on Twitter at pw underscore index. That's at pw underscore index on Twitter. Tweet at us and let us know what you'd like to have featured in future episodes of the Pro Wrestling Index. Mo, thank you once again, my friend, and happy New Year. We will be back next week with more Pro Wrestling Index right here on the Anfield Index Podcast
2: Network. <laughs>